0: Well, the first signs of autumn are starting to appear as I gaze outside my bedroom window. A couple of trees are turning as uh, they go red and a variety of different colours. Yet here we are still in the middle of the night watching playoff hockey. A bit of a weird one still to get my head around, Jolon, even after the couple of week holiday where I caught up on sleep. Thank goodness. Um, Yeah, weird.
1: It's such, a, it's such a strange time because it's the, it's the time that I lose track of what month it is when I'm watching hockey because you're getting to the kind of conference finals. This should be May. Like, it should be May now, and then you hear about it being September. So no, it's completely out of sync. The NFL is back this weekend in its usual slot, so that doesn't make sense. The Premier League is back this weekend coming as well. So hockey should not be in the Stanley Cup playoffs at the moment. But anyway, I'm still enjoying it. I'm loving the fact that there's a game a night at the moment. I'm missing the 5pm face-offs. I am missing that, the fact that we've now gone back to midnight viewings again. But um, it's just great to have a, a game a night. And the hockey and the standard of hockey, my days, has been
0: incredible. Yeah, I mean, I should take three weeks off more often, right? There's so much <laughs> for us to unpack. So we've obviously given Matt Day a little bit of a rest. He's catching up on sleep as Dallas <laughs> progressed through to the conference final. Um, we're talking Vegas, New York Islanders, Dallas, Tampa Bay. But of course, we're here to also waxed lyrical and be miserable because we found someone that possibly might just be as slightly miserable as Leafs fans. No, maybe not quite as miserable. We'll explain in a minute, but let's play some music first. So, um, I mean, I just got so bored of listening to the Leafs coverage that I just decided to turn any notification about the Leafs off for like a month. And it's Is that been why you brilliant. ignored all my messages? Yeah, i like, I don't care about Freddie Anderson, right? I don't care. I'm done with the Leafs. They can just do one until yeah. the actual proper season happens or the draft, right? I'm not interested in, yeah. in hearing, talking about the Leafs so uh, yeah, I apologise about that. But so, we don't. So need when, to, the,
1: right? when the when the when the Kapanen trade, I was exactly the same as you, Claire. I was like, do you know what? In fact, I, I remember saying to my um, my partner who who bears with me with all my Leafs chat. Um, I remember saying to her, do you know what? I don't care if they trade them all. They could trade any single one of them, and I would not give a monkey's. I I do not want to see those same faces come back next year. And then as soon as I see the news about Kapanen getting traded, I'm like. Oh, I didn't like Captain. Oh, I oh, see it makes sense. But then you start missing them, and and then yeah, I got kind of embroiled in the whole Will Anderson go and looking at USA goaltenders and all this kind of stuff. And it's a very confusing time at the moment for a hockey fan, considering there's so much still to play for in the playoffs, and yet the off season feels like it should be happening as well. And but yeah, I yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to keep away a little bit from it because there's a long off season ahead.
0: <laughs> so um, we get a, we've we actually got Matt to record us a message uh, Matt the Dallas fan He couldn't join us to record tonight I think the guy needed a break just to let his adrenaline come back down, ready for game two, which as we record is going to happen tonight. So you might be listening to this podcast and game two has already happened. So forgive him if he makes a reference, which then sounds a bit old, but we'll play his message um, very shortly. Uh, you know, some amazing individuals have come out of the second round of the playoffs, some amazing team moments, Um, But we wanted to kind of capture it from people who understand what it's like to have a team in the playoffs, uh, because it's been so long since we felt that, Jolon. Do you agree?
1: But what is interesting is I I really want to know who is going to break first, whether it's going to be the Dallas Stars playoff run or Matt Day, because he is going through it at the moment of the fact that he's having to watch. I say having to watch. is a great luxury. But watching a game every other night whilst trying to fit in a day job and all of this kind of stuff. And it's fascinating charting his progress through the week in terms of sleep, in terms of how many spelling mistakes he makes in his WhatsApp messages to me. And it's great watching the guy go really through it. And I feel like now he's in so deep that he needs them to get to the Stanley Cup playoff because he's committed so much into this playoff run. It is so good to watch from afar.
0: Ah, well, let's talk commiserations then. So we are NHL fans from afar, and so we love to connect with a multitude of different people who live in the UK or all over the world, really. We speak to people in Australia, Taiwan, Belgium, gosh, all over. And so we found another person who is probably up late at night watching Ginger Bearded Men um, and Gritty (laughs) late at night, which Dan in Chester... You know, there's not many people who could answer in the morning, what were you doing last night? And you can answer that. I mean, that's a pretty good, uh, interesting evening uh, way to spend your time, isn't it?
2: It's a bit strange how many ginger bearded players we've had. Shame we've lost Scott Hartnell nowadays, but yes, I'm not best friends with them all right now. (laughs)
0: So a Flyers fan in the UK, um, and and ironically, actually, the gym I go to down the road, there's a guy who's a Flyers fan there as well. I mean, what a run. I really wanted to see a Dallas-Philadelphia Stanley Cup final. I mean, like, kind of where's your head at the moment? Like, where's your heart and where's your head?
2: Yeah, it's a heart and head situation, really. I mean, if you'd asked me at the start of the season what we wanted from the season, and it was just to win a playoff round, basically. Um, we hadn't done it since 2012. We'd come to the end of this mammoth rebuild session through um, terrible years under some awful hockey with some terrible players, and we're coming out the other side of it now. And, yeah, we started the season saying we wanted to win a round, and which we did, of course, just. God knows how we won that series still, but its I even went into game seven the other night thinking... Thinking, no matter what happens, this season's been a success. But then you're 3 0 down, you've had eight shots halfway through the second period, and suddenly you're like, "Oh yeah, maybe I am annoyed about this." <laughs> uh,
0: is
1: that is that the problem? If, and how you're with how you're feeling now is actually the fact that you had a really good playoffs. It was just game seven you guys just didn't turn up for, and that must be so frustrating to watch as a fan. I know the feeling. Um, that you watch your team and you think we have done so much good in this playoffs, but That last game just leaves that kind of bitter taste in your mouth, thinking, oh, come on, could you not at least tried? It's one thing being outplayed, but it it looked like Philadelphia really just didn't turn up in that last game seven.
2: Uh, Yeah, we were warned by Rangers fans when we hired Vigneault that this would happen. And we were like, ah, you know, sour grapes and everything. And yeah, he was right. And as you say, it's it's this weird thing to feel because... the stat is something like from November the 2nd onwards in the regular season, we were the second best team in the NHL from that point onwards. We had a stunning season, particularly the end of the season and then we go into the round robin, we beat Washington, we beat Tampa, we beat Boston. We're going in as the number one seed and it was almost maybe the worst thing to happen to us because instead of them flying under the radar, having a quietly good season, getting that round win and then ducking out, suddenly we're the number one seed and the expectation that comes with it and I remember listening to a podcast from Philadelphia who was just rounding up the potential opponents who said the worst matchups we could possibly have for the system we play were the Montreal Canadiens and the New York Islanders. (laughs) So, but obviously, of course, we then went into the first round against the Montreal Canadiens and the Canadiens 24th seed overall came in and just were fantastic. They they were far outplayed their position or maybe we were terrible. It's it's hard to tell. And you were saying we, we did so well. Honestly, I'm not really sure we did. Uh, We played um, 13 games and we weren't very good in really any of them. If it wasn't for the Prince of Philadelphia, Carter Hart, we'd, we'd never have really got through the first round probably.
0: Um, he, he's an interesting uh story in itself isn't it because we know uh, and we often say that goaltending really is key when it comes to success in the nhl and goaltending was something that my goodness you were worse than san jose sharks and that's <laughs> saying something but this seems to be like out of this playoff run it seems like you found your man
2: yeah we've known this for a whole year um He came in at a debut and I think he was still 19 at the time and he'd set every record, he'd beaten every record there was to be in the WHL. He'd come into the AHL and been pretty good and he's just come up and he's got better and better and better. He's, He's the greatest young goalie I've ever seen in my life and maybe this is just penance for the 20 years of absolutely atrocious net minding we've had.
1: It's interesting with Carter Hart because there are a lot of comparisons made to Carey Price. Now, obviously, they're at different ends of their career, but it was interesting in that Montreal series that a lot of uh, Canadian fans, anyway, were looking at the kind of passing of the buck between one great Canadian goaltender to another. And he he really did live up to some of those expectations in the playoffs. And he, he did that thing that good goaltenders do, which is you forget how young he is, particularly as a neutral who just kind of watched a few games. I forgot how insanely young that goaltender is that must be such a good feeling for you guys thinking ahead for the next few years that you've got a rock solid number one in goal
2: yeah yeah no question I mean I think he was 22 on the day of the Tampa game which most netminders haven't even made their debut by this point let alone and the stories wrote themselves you know he, he grew up and his idol was Gary Price and his first playoff game proper is against Gary Price, and he outplayed him. Price was amazing, as he always is when he plays As it seems. but
0: uh, The other thing is, money-wise, I mean, he's 730k uh, yeah. contract in, up in for 2021. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like a Jordan Binnington type story, isn't it? But um, you've got someone like that for that amount uh, for what? Another year?
2: Yeah. Um, Maybe two years we've got him on his... No, no, actually, no, we can sign him any day now. So, yeah, one year left on his ELC. And I'd sign him for 25 years right now, if it was possible. <laughs> he's just, he's doing things. And, of course, there's always the danger he'll turn into the next Steve Mason, of course. But even Mason wasn't this good or this young. It's incredible. Um, yeah,
0: well, it's like I was listening to um, Hockey Central... Um, Hockey Central at noon, uh, I, th- I think it was the podcast from yesterday, and Brian Burke was talking about the the changing age of the goalie and the fact that the goalie tandem is pretty much going to be what is like the kind of given now, and mm-hmm. gone are the days um, of us ever seeing a ten million dollar goalie uh, because they 're going to play less games they 're going to play fifty games that 's going to be typical like what their numbers are um, and he was saying that he really felt that Carter Hart was the best goalie they'd had since Ron Hexel. I mean, I know Brian Burke is an old schooler. There's probably been a ton of great guys that have come in since, you know, between then. But he was saying in terms of like the franchise history, that's what a big development someone like Carter Hart was.
2: Mm, I'm not sure I agree with Burke on that. Uh, I was I was watching the same thing. It was They were talking about Montreal at the time, weren't they? Um, yeah. How they've spent 50 million on two goalies or something. Um, but I, I think that actually we're heading into another golden age of netminding, if anything. I mean, um, you were talking last week about Shostokin in New York. He's going to be incredible. In fact, almost every Metropolitan team has got an elite young goalie now. I think, if anything, there will be at least five or six more 10 million goalies, but it's hard to say. Goalies are unpredictable. The the best in the world could be an absolute nightmare the following night, couldn't he? So that's why it's so dangerous signing into contracts. And that's going to be why.
1: Sorry. One of the things that no 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 not all. One of the things that's really interesting as well is because you've got a couple of things going on. You've got this playoffs where goalie tandems have have been incredible. Look at Dallas. I mean, Hudobin's their backup, and he's won them game after game after game. You've also got Demko in Vancouver as well. Markstrom went down. I mean, you had flipping Michael Hutchinson playing for Colorado Avalanche because they lost both Grubauer and Fransos. I mean, there's got to be that bit of goal tending depth. But the other thing to throw into there as well is that Seattle draft coming up. And look at what happened with Pittsburgh, with Matt Murray and Flurry. You know, Vegas took Flurry because they had that goalkeeping tandem. So teams are, while the trend seems to be, we need a tandem, or at least we need a Montreal kind of workable backup goaltender. And yet there is going to be a draft next one round after this one, where Seattle can just come along and go, thank you very much. So it's going to be really interesting to see how teams do structure that. And with the flat cap and how Bobrovsky has worked out this year in Florida, I kind of disagree. I I don't think we will see a $10 million um, goaltender because I just don't think teams are going to feel confident enough. Look at Matt Murray now going into UFA or RFA, whatever he is. He's got two Stanley Cups. He's about 23 years old and Pittsburgh are going to let him go basically. And you kind yeah. of think how how could you even you know the the lease were talking about signing Matt Murray, and uh, you know I was trying to think, how do I feel about that signing him long term and I thought fine if he 's five six million dollars for five years, maybe, but if they 're offering him ten million, not a chance because it it feels like almost every goaltender's a toss of a coin as to what how they 're going to be that year, and i I just i can 't see teams. Wanting to put that much risk into one asset when you look at these playoffs and they can just drop and they can disappear.
2: Yeah, um, I, th- I think sometimes it just comes down to need. I mean, you talk about it from Philadelphia's perspective. We've waited 20 years for this, and if it's the choice of we give him 10 million or somebody else does, well, we're going to give it to him. Yeah. So we can't afford to turn the back on someone like this. But you're right. I think maybe 10 million might be a bit of an exaggeration, but. You know, you're going to see a lot of goalies on seven, eight, nine, and it's probably a bad idea. As I say, you, you see so many long term goalie contracts not work out, Bobrovsky being the prime recent example. Um, but it, mistakes are born a necessity, aren't they? So, you know, I think um, we're certainly going to do it, and maybe not 10. We'll probably give them a bridge deal for a few years of three, four million over three years, but then it's going to be
1: scary numbers.
2: Hopefully, the cap's gone
1: up. But for you, this this could work out well because, you know, if, if everything had stayed the same and Bobrovsky got his 10 and smashed it in Florida and, you know, other goalies followed, then that's what Carter Hart's getting, if not more. And so actually this reset could be ideal for you guys because this summer there's a load of UFA goaltenders. They're probably all going to sign for under that. And so you guys could be then in a position where Carter Hart's having to you know work out his value against someone like matt murray who might be on 6.5 or 5 million we, we just don't know but that resetting of the goalie market could end up being the perfect time for philadelphia when those negotiations come round.
2: yeah certainly i think we're going to talk with him over the summer and it's a great time for it to be a buyer's market with goalies for sure yeah yeah, He's that, that, yeah exactly around and go well this guy got this much because Actually, he didn't he? Probably didn't. And you know, all due respect to Matt he's won two cups, but he's not on the same level as Hart. He, I'm not going to say that just because he's a Pittsburgh player, of course. But <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah, really. But on. yeah, he's, he's a good player, and I think he's a great pickup for Toronto. I mean, I like Anderson anyway, but I think he's burned his bridge there, has he? But
1: I don't know. It's a really interesting one because it seems to have they, uh, the Leafs have kind of, or well, I think Anderson's agent has kind of said, "Oh, you know, we've had teams inquire about him," and. It's because of you know the kind of interest around the Toronto media that's that's meant that he's gone, and I think half the fan base have kind of assumed that he's leaving. The other half like him and don't want him to leave. And I think it's a bit of what I said off the top of the show. I think I think Leaf fans are just in a bit of a bit of a kind of moody teenager kind of mode or vibe where they just kind of like want to see change and just need to see something different. And I, you know there will be many other teams like that, but that combined with the UFA class of goaltenders this summer i mean you think of the likes of adobin you've got uh, robin lenner who is killing it in vegas mm. is ufa markstrom in vancouver murray in pittsburgh i mean the list goes on and on and on and you could just have half the league basically swap their goaltenders this offseason and it's going to be fascinating to see how all of those fit together and who really goes for those big goaltending tandems that have worked so well in the playoffs this year
0: See, yeah. what I, I really enjoyed, um, the, the credit that the goalies got, like in watching all the handshakes was mm. quite interesting, actually, because these yeah. are guys who right now is week seven in the bubble. These guys are giving mm. up many, many weeks. And I don't know, I mean, I haven't had a COVID test. I haven't needed to. But the thought and some of the description of my mates going for the COVID test, I'm like, to do that every day before breakfast, I can't imagine anything worse. Um, and, and it's been really interesting, actually, to hear um, in terms of, like, how they're managing it mentally as, as well as physically, the boredom, um, how to keep their spirits up, because otherwise it just turns to Groundhog Day. But seeing, like, the emotion, like, you know, Robert, um, Robin Lena, um and uh, Flurry, like, that, who's going to go? You know, who's, who's going to be the goalie, the starting goalie for Game 7? Um, the hype around that was quite exciting, but you know, Mark Stone shaking uh, was it Demko's hand, mm. and just the emotion to him. He, I can't yeah. remember what he said. Something like, "I don't know how we did that." I couldn't. No. I was trying to lip read what he said, um, but it, it well, was.
1: De- Demco's save percentage was in the playoffs was something like nine nine eight five. Like what? I mean, it, it was it was unreal like and okay it's a small sample size but still i mean i watched i was fortunate enough to watch the majority of that series and thatcher denko uh, just rewrote canucks future in terms of their goaltending and you know again that has a knock-on effect for markstrom who had an unbelievable year as the canucks starting goaltender and so now what he's going to do and whether the canucks are going to go with a tandem or what and you're right, though. And I, I do wonder whether the bubble, and I, I have absolutely no facts or anything to back this up other than I thought I had the other day. I do wonder whether the bubble conditions help goaltenders because they're, they're kind of slightly strange human beings anyway, from all accounts. And I just wonder if they focus in and can block everything out and being in that bubble environment can kind of help them do that. Which is interesting with the whole flurry thing because that completely blew that into the public um, kind of you know people talking about that and talking about the politics of which goaltender and I can see how negative that or how you know how difficult situation that is for Vegas to manage now because of that tweet whereas I wonder yeah. for some other goaltenders I wonder whether you know that bubble environment playing every other night you know always being focused always being must have a huge impact but maybe it does help them focus. And if you look at what Hudobin's doing, if you look at what Demko's doing, then, I don't know, maybe maybe there's something in it for goaltenders. I think
3: maybe...
2: maybe sorry to interrupt. Me. I think maybe the biggest thing that's helped goal is more than anything else is the empty buildings as well. Uh, no fans <laughs> there, no you know, away fans shouting at them behind. It's a lot easier to focus when you haven't got 10,000 people screaming at you. Um, yeah,
0: but equally, I, you know, I'm also hearing... Um, Like I listened to Scott Burnside podcast, Um, it literally just dropped like this afternoon as I was making my tea, it dropped. And I was listening and he had been speaking to Klimberg of Stars, and Stars was kind of asking him, so like, what's it like outside in the real world? I'm not looking at social media. Like for us, it's almost like we kind of turn up to a practice, have this amazing game, all pat each other on the back and then go home and we're like, did anybody watch? Like, what's <laughs> going on outside? Uh, so I imagine it, it's quite weird. And then you're hearing, like, say the Lightning have actually bought um, a psychologist with them in the bubble. And this guy, Ryan Hamilton, is there, like, kind of doing pep talks with them. He's recommending books for them to read whilst they're in the bubble. Um, which I find all that stuff really quite interesting but the teams that probably get to keep going are the ones that can kind of manage the process mentally as well as physically
1: do you think they're do you think they're filming it like i, I don't know it, it'll be incredible in years to come to look back and watch it like a big brother type thing because it must be fascinating yeah. like a hard knocks type thing for the nfl i mean it's not heard anything right.
2: about it at all actually
1: no uh, it's kind of it's a fascinating insight into, into human psychology and into how people and individuals can deal with that. And, you know, you said seven weeks. I don't think I've ever been anywhere for seven weeks, let alone cooped up. I had, I had two weeks of quarantine here and I went nuts. And, you know, it, to have that, to be on the world stage or on the kind of, <laughs> the, the kind of plinth of a, a sport and yet to have no reaction, around yeah. the guys were,
0: I mean like uh Chris Johnson was also saying uh from Sportsnet was saying how maybe it's not so bad if you're in Toronto but to go to this tiny little corner in Edmonton mm. most of them are uh, far 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 away from their family they're on different time zones that actually yeah. is even harder yeah so yeah, I mean I, I'm really fascinated about like the psychology of that kind of stuff and and it's a big reason why I was always drawn to the sport because you know, right from like the enforcer code, it's not just a spontaneous fight because he stood on my towel and I'm going to punch him. There's way more to this sport. And often a lot of it starts in the locker room. It starts in their mindset where they're on in the hotels. It's like kind of thinking about what is the future? Because if, if we're really thinking about like, you know, professional sports, fans in buildings, it's probably not going to come back for what, a year? two years no one knows so what will the future look like and maybe it will be a series of mini bubbles where we'll see more back-to-back games that that's potentially one avenue that people are are kind of referencing i remember
1: Um, i I remember on that point claire i remember reading an article in the Athletic about how um i think it was jonathan taves of the chicago blackhawks said that he'd submitted a, a plan to the nhl as to how he would do the, the the schedule, which would basically cut the travel in half. It was you know it was partly on a kind of environmental impact of uh, of the NHL and its carbon footprint, and also it was about players' welfare as well and, and spending time away from home. So it's obviously pre-COVID, but um, he was saying how with with kind of relatively small adjustments, you could actually create a a schedule that cuts out a lot of the traveling. And a bit like you said then, it was it was built on like series. So, you know, Boston would come to Toronto and they would play probably three games over a week. And then, you know, they would go to somewhere else. And it just cut that, you know, sometimes crazy travel you had in the NHL where you'd go from one city to another and do a back-to-back sometimes even. And yeah, there, there definitely are going to have to be changes. But the thing the NHL is going to have as an advantage going into next season is it's going to be able to watch the likes of the MLB which is currently going on at the moment in a kind of open form where they're traveling and also the NFL comes back and they're going to be traveling to home and away stadiums so there's going to be more and more of this happen before the regular season comes back for hockey so it'll be interesting to see whether they pick things from those leagues that have worked and haven't worked.
2: Yeah, the Taves plan um, was interesting reading, actually. I remember seeing that a little while ago. Mm. I think basically the owner shot it down because ticket sales. I don't think tickets would sell as well if you're playing, you know, Arizona three nights in a row. But <laughs> short-sighted GM thinking as usual. But, yeah, yeah it, it really good idea. And I think it had leveled the playing ground. The teams in the West have got it so unfair with travel. You know, you look at Philadelphia, for example, we get a bus or a train to New York, to Boston, to Chicago, everywhere. Um, whereas the others have got flights of six, seven hours almost sometimes. so D- Different yeah, time zones up. and all sorts of stuff. To- yeah, but the NHL has earned a lot of plaudits for the way they've handled this. Um, baseball was a disaster when it came back. Um, I'm a relatively big Phillies fan as well in that, and um, their, one of their first series was against the the Marlins, and uh, half their team um, tested positive for COVID and then played that night. Um, which is insane, and therefore they had to call their game off That like the next week of games was for both teams, either side. And I'm, it's like they've learned nothing from the NBA or the, the hockey that's actually done it well in this bubble. And the well, NFL,
0: six fine. weeks without a positive test in the NHL is the latest. I mean, that's, that's incredible.
2: Incredible. You look at the England footballers last night who escaped the hotel, um, Foden and um, Greenwood escaped the hotel, went out. I know it's Iceland. They haven't really got much of a problem. But f- the fact that, as far as we know, it's not happened in the hockey as well, it's just testament to the players' commitment to it. And uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit for it. Yeah. It's
0: not just the players, is it, though? It's the coaches. It's the physios. We're talking mm-hmm. 2,500 people have been in this bubble, um, not right. just like 30, 60, 90, 120, because there's four teams. There's a lot of entourage that are included. Um But although maybe because we're in the UK, we don't see all the tittle tattle, the tabloid stories of people sneaking out. I haven't heard or seen anything. I'm sure it. I think
1: I think we'd have heard about it.
0: Yeah, I think
1: I. I I think you know, with the media being there and the scrutiny on it, and how uh, how high up the news agenda it is in the states, uh, I'm sure we would have heard about it, unless they managed to cover it up. But everything seems to be so. You know, teams teams are willing to throw their players out. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned what England football team have done. They were quite happy throwing their two players under the bus for doing it. You know, the England cricket team did it with Joffre Archer as well. And, you know, these are... Some of them, you know, I remember Joffrey Archer was—he was going to go and visit his family on his way back between Southampton and Manchester because they were halfway or something like that. You know, we're not—we're not talking about them going out to the early hours, getting absolutely hammered and you know, meeting with strippers. Like it's—it—it's it, it's an innocent thing, but that, as you say, if those are the few instances in sport that are the outliers, it does show you—you're right. Dan, I mean, people have taken this incredibly seriously, and it's—it's it's huge credit to the to the NHL and, and the NBA and all those other leagues it's gonna be fascinating to see how the NFL gets on this weekend because yeah. that's again Open you know for
2: the NFL is there
1: at all no exactly and you nice. know with with the way that they're putting their league and the entourage you talk about Claire you know in the NFL it's times 100 and it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how those go on I think the NHL have put themselves in a good position so they can have a bit of an off-season reset and spend a bit of time working out how they're going to put together a season next year. Mm. And how that happens is, well, who knows? You can't bubble it again for a whole regular no. season.
2: Like <laughs> no. In our team, there's at least three of them have just had kids. They're not yeah. going to... they find doing, as you say, yeah. seven weeks, potentially, what, 12 if you win the Cup, something like that. But, yeah, I don't know how they can possibly do it for the next season. You've just got to hope COVID... Calms down by what they talk in the end of January, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, who knows?
0: So let's just have a look um, at what other people are saying where their heads are. Um, so I, I asked the question um, on our Twitter page at NHL fans from afar uh, what surprised people about the second round, uh, who impressed them, and if their team was out, what are their expectations um, during the off season? And any little quirks and things that we should mention. So Dave has put here Dallas beating the Avs. Dallas scoring millions of goals. Canucks holding Vegas to game seven. New York Islands is progressing. Tampa making light work of Boston. Uh, Andy's put stars. Oh, my God. Stars? Oh, my God. (laughs) And man, has the goalie situation been interesting for a lot of teams. The drama in Vegas. Dobby standing on his head to shut Vegas out. All in all, I'm remembering now how much I love hockey. and And of course, go stars see why you're so happy. Uh, James Reeve, uh, our mate who's also a Leafs fan says, what are my expectations of the Leafs? Hmm. Pain mostly, but a good trade for Kapanen could open the floodgates and see some real changes made. And uh, Abby, who's in Leeds, a Chicago fan says, Dallas future is looking bright, although I predict a Tampa-Vegas final myself. Wondering how the Hawks are supposed to sign everyone they need to sign, mainly Kubelik, Strome and Crawford, but also a couple of D we could really do with keeping, not looking too hopeful on our end. Um, so that's kind of true also
1: she also went on to go and say how uh, she was really impressed with the Canucks um throughout that and how she was looking forward to watching them a bit more and I think a lot of people are feeling that I mean there was a lot of jokes about how they were Canada's team and of course that you know put up the hackles for every other Canadian fan and everyone kind of including myself was like well, <laughs> I'm not going to support them go Vegas but then actually watching the series I couldn't help but root for them because they were obviously getting outplayed they were obviously getting beaten night after night after night and yet somehow weren't losing and were somehow dragging it to game seven and by the end of it in game seven even though it was a game too far Thatcher Demko and those Canucks I just couldn't help but root for them because they were such a a a great team that you kind of they were the the ultimate underdog, aren't they? And I know in the UK we really like that underdog story, but they were they were it this year and they went way beyond their expectations. And hopefully for them, their core is so young and their you know their prospects are so good, with a bit of clever kind of general managing over the next two years, they could be a real force in, let's say, two years' time and a fun team to watch when they're not getting hammered by Vegas.
0: Mm, yeah I mean, just looking at um, elite prospects I had a little flick over that earlier to see who 's in the top ten in terms of goals in terms of points I mean Bohos he was an absolute amazing dude in my fantasy team. Mm. Which would have been so good um, for most (laughs) of the season. Anyway, he stormed it in the playoffs. You know, 17 games he turned up because they obviously played so many uh, more games. 10 goals. um, He's top of the league. You know, Nathan McKinnon after him. Kadri third. I mean, who would have thought Kadri third in playoffs in terms of goals? I wouldn't have.
1: We just never knew, though, did we? We never knew what Kadri could bring in the playoffs because he got himself suspended for two years. And yet, you know, this, this year was, this was him kind of going for it. And I mean, a word for the Avs, because they were an incredible team that was just decimated by injuries. And it's not to belittle the Stars' effort in, you know, beating them. But actually, the, that team is, you know, Nate McKinnon is a, a terrifying prospect to face. And with the other kind of guys they've got, and I, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, before we get on to, to talk to Matt, uh, I want to give a shout out to Michael Hutchinson because I, I said to Matt, um, he, he brought up, uh, he didn't realise, but he just brought up Michael Hutchinson's name because I think Grubauer got injured. And he said, oh, and then they've got Hutchinson, who's not a bad you know, third choice. And uh, I said to Matt on this podcast, if Michael Hutchinson is playing for the Colorado Avalanche, you can just forget it. You've won the series already. Now, that didn't quite work out, considering I think he got two wins, did he? And then lost in game seven after making some saves that made me my draw drop as a Leafs fan who saw him lose us 11 games last year. But fair play to the guy, because he got a hammering in the press in Toronto, and he got a, a kind of a an unnecessary character assassination just because he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And for him to then go out and win those games for the Avs. And okay, maybe they, they, it was a step too far for him, but fair play to him. Cause that was, that was incredible and great banter for me and Matt, because I could, uh, I could say, well, if you can't even beat Michael Hutchison, then you've got no chance.
0: (laughs) Let's hear from Matt. Okay, so we'll just pause. Matt sent us a couple of minutes that he just recorded as a voice memo uh, just because I really wanted to hear the the emotion in his voice. I wanted to hear how bad it is to be so sleep-deprived because you love hockey so much. Uh, Let's see see what he's got to say.
3: What's it like being a Stars fan in the UK right now? Uh, Tiring. <laughs> I've stupidly watched every game live and it's been an absolute roller coaster of emotions. That series against Colorado was just insane. Back and forth, three goal swings, either way, within games. Um, and not once did I think the Stars would consistently score five a night um, in in back to back series, but they did. They're through, uh, and I couldn't couldn't have been happier at the end of of Game 7, which, having been so bad in Games 5 and 6, I was convinced we were going (laughs) to blow Game 7. And it it looked that way with three minutes left, um, but scoring 10 seconds later... Um, And then the overtime winner from from Kiviranta with a hat-trick and writing his name into Dallas Stars history books is just summed up how crazy that series really was. And then follow that up with game one of the Western Conference final against Vegas. And it's a 1-0, completely different game, completely different hockey. But I think that shows how adaptable Dallas as a team are and Maybe that will put them in good, good stead. Um, Vegas are a very good side, and Stars are the underdogs again, and I, d- I don't mind that. But the closer you get to winning the Stanley Cup, the more you hope. And as we've said on this podcast many times before, it's the hope that kills you.
2: So, is that what happiness feels like? <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Sounds like he's gone through a really traumatic experience.
0: I and I, I could hear that he edited that as well. So he obviously made a bold claim and then went back <laughs> and edited it and then said something a bit more sensible. I reckon
1: the Dallas Stars are definitely going to win the Stanley Cup. Hang on, no, hang on. <laughs> the Dallas Stars. You never know. The closer you get to it, the more hope you get. Something like that. <laughs> Yeah, well do you know what they, they, I heard um, someone talking I think it was a Steve Dangle podcast I was listening to but they were talking about the Stars and they were saying how the Stars are really built to win a Stanley Cup in in the sense of okay they've got they have got the firepower which is you know proven in the playoffs and that was the thing we didn't know they've got the goaltending in, the, in Bishop and Hudobin and they've got the defence and they've got the scoring defence and they've also got a bit of nasty as well like Corey Perry and people like that and then you think actually yeah maybe maybe they are A really really kind of playoff ready team and but then so are Vegas and Vegas have got all those components and Ryan Reeves coming back for game two is going to be an interesting one and I think it's going to be a fascinating series and I would pick I I, I, going into it I thought actually before last night I thought the Western Conference was going to win the Stanley Cup so basically Dallas or Vegas were going to win the Stanley Cup watching The Lightning last night made me think twice because they look like they're in beast mode, and we'll come on to them Mm, later. Yeah. I think the. I I think Dallas are just built so well for this, and they're also. This is probably their best chance they've got to win now. They've probably got a couple of years of not rebuilding, but just tinkering to get right again. They've got some quite old players on there Tyler Sagan, Ben. Those players are in their prime, upper end of their prime now and they're going to really push hard for this and the way that they ground Vegas down to a, what was it a 1-0 win or something like that I, I think they're uh, yeah so that series against the Avalanche though we wanted James Myrtle from The Athletic tweeted during the, uh, the first game against uh, Vegas said can we not just have the, the Avs back, the Avs versus Stars because that series was just incredible
2: Yeah, that was like the Flyers-Pittsburgh series of 2012. Just no net minding, no defending, just goals, goals, goals. It was incredible.
1: how how, how much of the playoffs have you seen? How much have you managed to kind of, of, for the other side, the Western side, how much have you managed to follow?
2: I'm a typical Eastern fan. You know, the West is a little too late for me. (laughs) But it's like we, um, what was it, our game six won in double overtime, right, towards the end of double overtime. And I'm going to bed at four o'clock and I'm like, This is what it's like for the Western fans every game. I just, I don't know how they do it, but one of my friends is a Vegas fan. um, So I'm happy for him. They (laughs) get, they've not had the years of being terrible to deserve this success. Um, And my brother's a massive Tampa fan. So I'm still um, locked in kind of, even though officially the playoffs are over now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So how, how's that going to work? How much stick did you get from, from your brother then? Not
2: nearly as much stick as I'd have got if we'd have got through and lost to them in four games. <laughs> <laughs> you said we'll talk to see. them for in a bit, but they are by a mile the best team left in the playoffs. No question. They are so good. They have no weaknesses. And they've got to win now as well, because God knows they're going to have to blow that team up fairly soon.
0: And well, You know, you look at the headlines here, you've got a team which is the first time in 27 years that they're in a conference final versus a team where it's their fourth conference final in six years. I mean, I I love a good, like, kind of storyline and that's it really, isn't it? It is a bit of a David and a Goliath, but I don't know. New York Islanders are just full of surprises and we're hearing about, like, the style of their game. People are using the word boring, that they just smother the team, and it's very dull, and they just break down any kind of momentum, squash it down, let's just keep this steady. But then they also can score. You know, they're not just defensive. They're also able to get some pretty good goals and high-scoring games in there as well. And you don't get to this point without a bit of grit and a little bit of all-roundedness. So yeah, the Yeah. yeah.
2: And Matt Barston is an incredible player. Incredible. He's kind of almost wasted on a team that doesn't really play like that, but he's just got the puck on his stick all the time. He drives me mad. Uh, particularly when you're playing for seven games. But they are a, a difficult team. They're a hard to play team. They are the definition of grit, but Tampa, I mean, look at him last night.
1: Christ wasn't even. Do you good. not do you not do you not think that the Islanders are gonna get shown up against Tampa because the thing that I watched last night, I mean Tampa just I mean they ran rings around them, what was it, 8-2 or something like that. And if mm. you look at who now present company accepted, I appreciate who I'm speaking to, but you look at the islanders' run into this point, and they played a pretty naff Washington team who did not look really with it and certainly weren't what we expected Washington to be. Now it's not easy beating Washington, but they didn't perform to the levels you'd expect. Philadelphia Yeah, well, as you kind of said, Dan, they performed okay, but they weren't a a kind of a juggernaut. They've now come up against Tampa, and Tampa just look in a different league. And
0: it's one game. It's one game. And even John Cooper said in the post game, we had to capitalize on the fact that this was a team that was tired, and they're well rested, and so they had to. Get in there and get a good start on this series whilst the Islanders had to catch up their feet quickly, you know, behind the scenes.
2: It's not just the team that's just finished a seven game series either. They had to finish that game, pack up, fly to Edmonton and then carry on playing against the team that hasn't played
1: in the best part of
0: the week. Exactly. If you don't don't win then, when are you going to win, right? Maybe, I but it,
1: it, it, it was the manner of it, though. It was the way that, and I you know, I do get that, and maybe that's the reason why they took so many sloppy penalties and, you know, Tampa seemed to be on the power play all the time. But I just, I don't know, I, I think maybe that is the case, but I think thats they're not going to recover from that by whatever it is tomorrow or the day after tomorrow. I think Tampa are just going to steamroller them. Um, the and, uh, yeah, I, I was no, going to no. say four. I I think they're going to, maybe they'll give up a game, but, you know, Barry Trotz, you've got to give your hat, uh, kind of tip your hat to him the way that he's got that team through and and what he's done. But I think Tampa from last year and the disappointment and the fact that they were president's trophy winners ever since January this year, they have just been on a a run and, you know, they, they have not stopped really. And um, the way they've beaten Columbus 4 one, they've then beaten Boston 4-1. one. What is there to suggest that they are going to, Get troubled by the Islanders. I don't. And think they've anything. still got Stan coast to come back.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no,
1: know. know. You think like, hang on a minute. Sorry, he yeah. he's not even in the team. Like Braden Point last night oh. looked like it, it just it, it, he was on a different planet. And Hedman scored a million points in the game. And you know they got Vasilevsky who stayed fit. And yeah, I I, I mean I, I'll be amazed if they don't get to the Stanley Cup final. And then. I, Try predicting that Stanley Cup final because that is going to be epic. Whoever comes out of the West.
2: The, I just can't see them even getting past getting held up to game six of the finals. They there's four teams left and they are 50% better than every other team.
1: And Do you think they probably, are that much better
2: than like Vegas? They're so good. They're so good. And Vegas yeah. are really good as well, but I mean Tampa, you, you look at any one player who some would be a star in one team, Tampa have six of them. And yeah. I say it's a sign that they can't afford to keep that team together. They're going to have to lose at least a few of those just to keep them under the cap long term. But they are so good. It would take major injuries. Like Headman went down in the round robin. It would take him going down and Point going down, and even then there'll be a matchup for anybody. I just Vegas are good. Dallas are riding a storm, but Tampa are just phenomenal.
1: And as you say, with that, they're set for years to come because, you know, they're playing without Stamkos. So yeah. you could argue they might win the cup without Stamkos. So then in the off season, you can lose somebody like Stamkos and still have a Stanley Cup winning team. I mean, that just shows you the kind of depth. And I'm not sure nobody, I don't know about the superstars on the other teams, but if they lost a similar type player, I don't think they would be able to be so convincing. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, try losing Matthews from you guys, and I mean, obviously. Oh yeah, toast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it didn't matter, did it? Anyway, we had Matthews. We've still rubbish, but try yeah. losing Kadri <laughs> or something. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But you know, to to lose a player like that, I suppose Vasilevsky. I, don't, I can't remember who who Tampa have as their backup now. Is it Mac? It can't be Mac.
2: Uh, it's Domingue, I think. Louis
1: Deming. I thought he moved. I thought doing? he moved, didn't me? it? I think he I'm moved up. Gonna- I- yeah, that's a kind of stupid fact I should know, really. But um, but that's the only thing I wonder whether, if Vasilevsky got hurt, I don't know what their goaltending depth's like. But yeah.
0: Goalies. Am I even McElhaney. looking at the right... Yeah, Curtis McElhaney. Yeah, I yeah. think it is
1: him. I thought it was him because, yeah, he went there. You know
0: when you and, uh... doubt, am I looking at the right yeah,
1: season? Yeah, I, just... <laughs> I doubted it as well, but I thought it was McElhaney.
0: And actually, Curtis do you know McElhaney.
1: what? He's He's the kind of player who could come in and steal a game just for the fun of it um I'll always remember
2: was we went to Philadelphia to watch a couple of games and we I think it was Columbus mm. my very first game I'd ever seen in Philadelphia and we beat them 6-0 and McCleney let one in from the halfway line um and <laughs> have a reasonable career <laughs> since that point um, but uh, I'll never forget that night
1: ah <laughs> uh, I will never I will never forget McAlaney if uh, any other moment than the one where he denied Sidney Crosby a, uh, almost an open net and it secured the Leafs getting into the playoffs back in the fun season. I think it was when we got through on, you know, ahead of schedule. And uh, he's, he's one of those goaltenders who, you know, yeah, he's, he's not, he's not great, but he could steal you a series. So I'm actually going to say that that's not even a weakness for Tampa anymore. I think they're probably good enough to get through that. You, <laughs>
0: I, mean, I can't imagine oh, that. A guy. so
1: good. Like,
0: a guy oh. who was rejected from the Leafs, from Flyers, from a bunch of other teams, could potentially get a Stanley Cup ring as a backup goalie. I mean, hey, it's like, what?
2: Does he get one if he doesn't play? It, it was
1: looking like it was going to be Michael Hutchison at one point.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I assume so. I assume so. Because yeah, you, as you're on the roster. Would, yeah. mm. huh. That's yeah,
2: a yeah, tricky yeah. job, though, isn't it? I know. Really but just imagine. For... On the Stanley Cup <laughs>
0: you are got to open the gate, though. He's opening the gate. He's patting him on the back saying, good shift, good shift. That's a roll, right? <laughs> every, every voice counts right now in the bubble. In that silent stadium, every voice is, is participating. Good times. Yeah. Um, I think we should probably pretty much round it up there I mean just a, a couple of very quick things to mention I heard that the Seattle tickets are on sale all the people who put their deposits for season tickets are now being able to have a zoom meeting and virtually choose where their season ticket will be if they ever go I mean it's like who knows and then also you know the the great news that the League um, have credited Matt Dumber with the King Clancy Memorial Trophy. Some incredible stories coming out from the work that the Hockey Diversity Alliance are doing. I mean, even listening to some of Ryan Reeves' um, stories as he was boycotting games. Um, Matt Dumber's personal story, if you don't know it, about when he went on holiday as an 11-year-old to a hockey camp a family trip to Vancouver, and how he was scarred for life because of some of the things that happened during that hockey camp. Go Google it, go read it, take five minutes out it 's absolutely shocking um, it, you know it also quotes his mom talking about it too, and how it was his dream as a hockey player to get the chance to go to a camp like this, and it almost made his family walk away from the sport, but thank goodness they didn't. Um, So, you know, there's just so many stories at the moment, whether they be from your head, from your heart, a what if. Um, I'm loving the fact that we're going to have a new Stanley cup. We're not, you know, we haven't got the blues defending. We can have an upset. Our Tampa just going to storm it. Like we all thought they were going to do this year. I mean, keep continuing to share your thoughts as you watch the games every night, every morning, however you're consuming them. Follow us on Twitter at NHL fans from afar. I mean, Joelan, I guess it's probably pretty easy for us to say that we won't do a podcast now until this round is over. And then we'll talk about ahead of the Stanley Cup. There's no point in us doing weekly at the moment because it's like if it gets to Game Six or Game yeah. Seven, like it's irrelevant in two days, isn't it? Whatever we say.
1: Yeah, no, we'll um, we'll come back once um, once this round of games is out the way. Um, I want to very quickly just go around the table and pick your uh, pick your Stanley Cup. What your what who you want in your Stanley Cup final um because as a fan you know of <laughs> all three of us on this podcast who've got no real kind of investment <laughs> uh, in it uh, I want to hear who is your ideal Stanley Cup from the four remaining teams dan uh, I'm going to throw to you first
2: so it's who we want
1: to win it not who we Yeah the, sorry no the Stanley Cup you want to see so not oh. even who's going to win it just the Stanley Cup final that you want to see
2: Probably Dallas, I think. I mean, Vegas, I've got a friend supporting them. My brother supports Tampa, so I, I really don't want that to happen. I've never <laughs> And Dallas are just, they're a nice team, aren't they? You know, I've got no problems with them at all. They, that green star shirt they used to have in the 90s is amazing yeah <laughs> dallas. give me
0: dallas yeah see i want dallas and new york islanders in the final i think it, that'll be really mix things up cause a bit of an upset but i also want pantera to release another song if dallas get to the stanley cup final do you remember that back when they went yeah. the Cup? pantera had that the the little song if if they get to the stanley cup final i will dig out that song and play it on our next podcast episode
1: And we will get Matt back uh, next week um, to either way, whether they're still in it or not, to chat through it. Okay, so you're going, Dan, you're going, uh, I'm assuming Tampa Bay, um, and um, Dallas, Claire, you're going, New York Islanders, never going to happen, and uh, versus the Stars, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I, no, but you said I, who I, I want to see...
0: You said who I want. Yeah, yeah, no,
1: the Stanley Cup you want to see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I want to see the Leafs win a cup. It's not going to happen. But you know, we can all <laughs> want whatever we want. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be back um, after the next round of games. Enjoy uh, the next uh, few games uh, of the hockey. Oh, who what, was sorry. yours? Who was yours? Oh. Uh... I want to see, I want to see Tampa because they're the best hockey team around, and they should be in the final. And I want to see them play. Oh, I've got to say Dallas because I can't, I can't. Yeah, Dallas because they've been. Uh, I've followed their story through Matt and followed them a little bit more closely than I normally would, so I feel a little bit invested. So I would like to see Dallas versus Tampa in the final, and mainly just to see what happens to Matt's nerves
0: yeah <laughs> it's been awesome to catch up I um, hope that you're continuing to enjoy your hockey as you go back to school back to real life back to lockdown whatever on earth you're doing uh, we'll be back uh, with another episode as soon as the conference finals are done thanks very much Dan for joining us too commiserations we know what it feels like
2: don't <laughs> worry um,
0: yeah <laughs> it's great to chat hockey uh, speak to you all soon